So what is the f- scent of a fresh Walmart? I don't know. It's <laughs> never been seen or smelled before. Well, you can't see it. It doesn't smell. last long. <laughs> I hope you don't see a smell. Oh, wow. Well, you could you could see a smell in China, I mean, right? I, I mean, the best-smelling Walmart probably has a smell of cleanser. That means you know it's disinfected. That's the only thing you could hope for at a Walmart. Oh, that's a hospital smell. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's actually not that bad. It, sound, it smells sanitized. Sanitized Sometimes good. hospitals smell like pee. Oh. Sure. You know, I mean, that's kind of... I, 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 here's the thing. When I think about Walmart, I think of jogging suits usually. So people who <laughs> That's go, what you're thinking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. There, there are people who go 2 a.m. jogging at Walmart or Super Walmart. When you I, say, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking sociopaths if they shop at that time. True, and jogging they don't suits. Jogging suits. Dude, they don't shop, dude. They're jogging. Dude, yeah. jogging They're in exercising. the store. You guys ever heard exercising. of that? You guys ever heard of people no, jogging in Walmarts? No. no. That's a lie. There's no, no way. Dude, the, I know it's happened. Our Walmart in Kansas City, they are not jogging. I don't think they have ever jogged. <laughs> They're sitting in the rolly carts, rolling down the aisle. So Becky and I are part of multiple Facebook podcasting groups. And uh, one person in that group, actually, guys, remember that show I mentioned to you? Uh, there's a show similar to ours, or at least in terms of title, called Ryan and Jake. No, Ryan and James. Yeah. Ryan and James take on the world. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, I was just surprised that they have such a similar sounding name. Ours is kind of dreadful because we're dead. <laughs> do, but yeah. Do they, taking do on they the sound anything like us? No, I mean, they're, they're kind of debate things from what i understand i mean i i i haven't listened to enough episodes to really get a, a good feel for it but that it's different from ours not like can we borrow their ryan no he offered <laughs> he, he offered. offered you know why because actually let me tell you so ryan uh ryan reagan uh other ryan is how i refer other to ryan, him yeah. i call him other ryan so other ryan posted how <laughs> you're gonna love this this is a very ryan and noosh type thing <laughs> he said hey guys how do you i don't know the details but he said something like Hey guys, how do you deal with or facilitate uh, a co-host who's no longer available? <laughs> and I was like, I-, I can tell you everything about it. I- we are I- experts I- on that. I- I've lost so many. I've lost more co-hosts than people I've ever had. <laughs> Get ready. So, welcome to another episode of Ryan and Noosh 64. Uh, I'm I'm one of your hosts. Listen, th- th- I am scraping the bottom of the barrel yeah, for some of these. You you're going to have to explain that one. I saw your list. You had some good ones in there. I know, there. I do, but I'm going down the list so I don't confuse myself. <laughs> so that's what I'm on right now. Well, yeah, you could cross something off when you after you've used it or I, put I, a check mark. I, I need a pen for that. I'll work on that. <laughs> later, later. Ooh, a pen. So, okay, so... Uh, I'd say make a note to get a pen, but I think you'd need a pen for the yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm one of the hosts, Danushka Kumar Singha. Uh, today we also have JB Ong, Courtney Rajan, Ken Tran. There's a lot of people on the show now. Yeah. Brendan we're, Kidney. We're expanding. Yeah, Brendan Kidney. And our guest for today is Becky Lassiter. Um, so before we start, so really quick, so let me just tell you what we would be in this next scenario. So guys, if we were characters on Parks and Recreation, okay, here's who we would be. Did you take my challenge into consideration from last week? I okay. did. All right. Mm-hmm. Begrudgingly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how hard I really wanted to just make you the smart person. <laughs> so Ryan would be Donna Meagle. 
because he's got he's witty, just like Donna. Courtney, I you know you'd basically be if this was Parks and Recreation, you'd be Ann Perkins because she's the nicest person. <laughs> also, she goes along with other people's crazy schemes. Like she okay. kind of just goes with it. Yeah. So I kind of feel like that's you. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, you would be Andy Dwyer because he is the most likely to bust down a door. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Ken, you would be Ben Wyatt because you're an accountant, but also you're a hero. Oh, you're a hero. <laughs> and, I have a new, and I have a new show on Fox. Nice. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. JB, uh, mm-hmm. I said that you would be Leslie Nope because you're ambitious, <laughs> you got a vision, you're a doer. And Amy Poehler's awesome. And Amy yeah. Poehler's awesome. I mean, I think it's really obvious who I would be for anybody who watched the show. <laughs> right? I haven't watched the show. <laughs> Dude, I, I cater to people who can't even appreciate these references sometimes. <laughs> I would, I would be Tom yeah. Haverford, right? Aziz Ansari. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I would totally be Aziz. Are you just doing listen, it as a cultural thing? No, because, okay, listen. <laughs> he is Aziz. You kind of sound like Aziz. <laughs> I, I, listen, my whole life, my whole life since I was younger, it's always been this thing where, and I think this might be the case for a lot of, like, South Asians, you know, Indians, uh-huh. Sri Lankans, whatever. But, like, whenever there's, like, a really charismatic or funny Indian dude or South Asian dude on television or in entertainment, yeah. they're always like, dude, you remind me of that famous guy. <laughs> when I was younger, people always told me I reminded them of Cal Penn. Uh, later, it was Aziz Ansari. After that, it was uh, the kid who played Kevin Nepore in Mean Girls. People always <laughs> told me, yeah. I was, like, you're the mathletes guy. You're the mathletes guy. Because <laughs> you guys match in skin color. <laughs> right. And then now, recently, I'm not joking, multiple people, my professors at this school, three other people, including a relative, have all told me, like, dude, you remind me so much of Hassan Minaj. Like, everybody's telling me <laughs> I'm Hassan Minaj now. Wow. So I'm just whatever funny wow. brown guy yeah, exactly. is on television. So that's why, yeah, Aziz Ansari, I'd be Tom Haverford. Now, Becky, I, I don't have, this, listen, this is the first time I don't have one for our guest because of the fact that Becky is not, she's outside of our social circle, so I don't know yeah. Becky well enough You're a to, stranger. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I so, know. Becky, Too many. have you ever watched Parks and Recreation? No, I haven't. Oh. I've heard so much about it, but I, no, I have no. never seen it. Well, it's a funny show, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would have asked you, like, oh, boy, who do you think you'd be? I don't know. Nobody knows, but maybe we'll figure that out one day. <laughs> Any case, well, uh, Becky, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am a photographer in Kansas City, Missouri, and I am also a new podcaster um, with Kelly is my co-host, and she is also a photographer in my area, and our dating life has been miserable, (laughs) and so we decided to start a podcast called Midlife Dating Crisis, Nice, and we talk about the crazy... um, nuances of dating and our 30s and 40s and the crazy people we've come across and the situations we've been we put ourselves in and um, we have guests on the show that talk about you know similar situations and then give us some roundabout ideas that we are not you know crazy in our in our experiences because sometimes it can seem crazy so yeah yeah I'm excited to be on this show, though, because <laughs> it's a break from that crazy reality. Well, I have a question for you, Becky. So, I mean, what was the circumstances where you guys were together and you thought to yourself, let's make a podcast? Like, for example, I remember, you know, JB, uh, another friend of ours, Tim, and Ryan, we were just having, like, drinks and, like, dinner one night, and we just thought, hey, we should, all these conversations we're having, we should make a show about it. Mm-hmm. Was it the same thing for you guys when you, you know, came to the conclusion you want to do a podcast? 
It was so random. Um, we were doing a styled photo shoot with somebody. And beforehand, Kelly had come over because she's also a makeup artist. And she mentioned something about dating. And I told her that I got on Bumble. And it was weird to see, you know, swiping left and right. That's just so strange to me. I, yeah. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> and Bumble. she yeah. laughed at me for getting on Bumble. But before the end of the day, she also got on the website <laughs> <laughs> signed up. And um, the next time we met, she mentioned having a date. And our first dates, I think, were pretty crazy. And so I said, you know, we have to talk about this. This seems like we are alone in our, you know, the fact that guys are sending dick pics. <laughs> oh, it's always. And why, they always. are expecting relationships, uh, like, the first time they meet you. Right. And, yeah. um yeah, so we decided why not just talk about it and make sure that maybe we are crazy and then we'll be able to go, okay, we're crazy. We don't need it. You know, we yeah. won't stress out about this or we're not crazy <laughs> and the other people will feel validated. I have a question so, for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like here's the thing. I know you're not like a professional, but because you are somebody who talks about dating and stuff like that. Okay, Courtney, tell me what you think. I kind of want to tell her the dick pic etiquette. <laughs> I, I, do. My head, I kind of want to know what Becky oh, thinks. No. Okay, I have a question for you, Becky. Basically, because I agree with you. I think it's really messed up when guys send dick pics, right? So I always say this one thing where I'm like, listen, there has to be dick pic etiquette. Like there has to be like a <laughs> protocol of oh, yeah. when it's appropriate. So yeah, I'm don't here, send one. Uh, well, unless... Unless Wa- at, at uh, wanted. Asked. Unless wanted. wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So, he has to. So basically, here's like what I, as a guy, this is what I would think is like, okay, this is kind of the vibe to like send something. Basically, my rule of thumb is this. Basically, if a girl sends you a, like a nude photo of the like upper area, yes. you compliment her and you thank her for the photo. That's it. If she didn't ask for a dick pic, you no, do not, send, not send one. anything. Uh, however, if she then sends like another photo as if like she wants more, like if, if there is more photos coming and it's time to send something, then perhaps <laughs> see if you can send a dick pic. However, if she sends a nude of the lower area, then respond to the dick pic. That is the dick so pic etiquette. So if she sends her feet? <laughs> Whoa! Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh God! Ooh, got you there! Uh, wow, I like that. Very good. Very. You're, you're being too descriptive here, Noosh. This is very confusing. I mean, are we That's talking true. ankles? How That's old true. are you? That's true. I was I was being figurative in my my usage of lower area. Her her nether regions. My, her, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, that's that's what basically the rule is: don't send unless asked, or you're getting sent photos as well. Remember, we were talking we were talking in a conversation, Brendan, that it's different because the the women are the ones talking about the dicks, so it's okay to send it to another woman. That's messed up. It's for your eyes only. It's for your eyes only. No, that is exactly true. You send it to a girl, then twenty of her girlfriends know about your penis. Listen, you know. You know what though i mean but it's true though whenever you send nudes to anybody it kind of is even though you're saying listen for your eyes only you kind of know at some point they're gonna show it to they're gonna people. show it to, they're gonna show it to everybody so. i mean it's it's a given this is so the I, age of sharing of yeah, social media everything is sharing. gonna be shared because they want to get those mm-hmm. likes <laughs> no, i'm pretty sure you can't put a penis I on hope facebook you don't put it on some please don't put it on facebook I know, I, no. <laughs> oh man i've seen guys keep folders of different girls um, naked pics so they can just go through and scroll and scroll where they have folders of girls That's... sending the crap 
craziest, nastiest. Nobody saw that. Nobody saw what I did. Okay, fine. I, I won't even wow. comment on it. I was going to, but I'm not. But I, listen, I. It was a very I, fun time in college, I, and I, that I, compute that hard drive is burnt. I want to say this. I think it's one of those things where. You know how when you're, like, younger, when you're, like, in middle school, all the kids are like, oh, yeah, I heard Joey masturbates, blah, 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 Joey. But deep down, every (laughs) single kid who's accusing Joey of masturbating is like, yeah, I do too at home, but I mean, I'm not going to say it. I I think that when you say, I I know some guys have folders of pics that women send them. I think some should really be increased to, like, 90-something percent. Probably, Because yeah. it's, oh, it yeah. is very unlikely for a guy to delete a photo. Like, <laughs> it, is, it is so impossibly difficult to click that button. I don't even know how to, you know. Hey, hey <laughs> I deleted pictures I had. Of course, I had to give the phone to my goddaughter because hers broke, and I had to make sure that there wasn't any of that stuff on there. <laughs> but it still counts. Well, I deleted you know. it. And then you saved it on a Where do you back it up, man? Yeah, yeah, you back it up to the Where cloud. Where do you back it up to the cloud, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this all goes dude, up to the cloud. Dude, the dating age, I mean, this is why, I guess, a show like Midlife Dating Crisis makes sense, because the dating age is so weird now. That's insane. So weird. <laughs> uh, us here probably has, has some couple of pretty good crata- catastrophes, right, with dating. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially Corny, you. Do you have any? No, I, have. I actually have to go out on dates to have catastrophes. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Can somebody on this podcast get this girl a date? Oh. Get listeners, listeners, come on. <laughs> I've got a good one. I, um, I mean, I've got the. I, I think everyone's seen me rant about this at one point or another. Because remember the story of my ex-girlfriend stole my cat. Oh, listen, man. Jesus. No, no, but I, I kind of want to hear it. No, it was, it's, it's really simple. Um, she wanted to see if her son could handle having a cat in the house, and so I said, "Well, why don't you take mine for a week, see how that works?" Yeah. How oh, did that work I out? No. Oh no. Hey, man, she, she took your cat and she ghosted you. She, oh, she did. She moved and she didn't yeah. tell me where she. Oh moved my gosh, that's messed like, up. Was, that is yeah. messed up. How do you pass off your cat? <laughs> you're just gonna let your, your dude well listen we we, we know from the stories we've told there are people who like send their mooses over to other people's houses <laughs> so i mean you know people love to pass their pets along but I, I got negged once where like some girl was trying to like hook up with me or something yeah and but she said like really kind of like mean things to me a little bit <laughs> like like she basically was just like ah yeah we could hook up but like ah. Uh, yeah, I have to be really, really drunk because I don't know if it'll be that great and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, and all this shit. Oh, and, dude, I remember I was just like, ah, oh, shit. Like, I feel I've... really self-conscious now. And then afterwards, she's like, ah, oh, you want to you wanna go inside and, like, have a quickie or something? And I was just like. <laughs> romantic. I was like, nah, man. Like, I'm, I just kind of ignored the question. Man, like, you could hurt nah. a guy's feelings like I mean, that. Man. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm not no. gonna lie. Like, probably like a couple days later, I was like, "Dude, I'm an idiot. Why did I <laughs> yeah. why turn that down?" But at the same time, at the <laughs> moment, I was like, "Oh man, I feel really bad and self-conscious." <laughs> Something bad really happened to mine. Every time I break up with a girl, like she just takes my stuff and never returns it. One was like, my, my, "So stop giving your stuff away." <laughs> my, my PS2. Oh wow, that that was in college. I lost my PS2. Thing. Oh god, I thought you said penis too. I was like, what? She PlayStation did. Two. She took, she took his penis. No, I, I like thought that he, she took your penis. That's <laughs> she took my penis and my pride. Ken brought up penises. I, it was not me. It was not he, me. He broke the penis barrier this episode. <laughs> my penis.
Well, in, in relation to, wow. you know, Becky being a photographer, <laughs> after all, the topic for today's episode is photography. Yes. So I will, I will lead off with this story. This story is bananas, and that's a pun. Because <laughs> yeah. the, title, the oh. title of this story is When a Monkey Takes a Selfie. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this story. By the way, it's called When a Monkey Takes a Selfie because of that book. You know, when a mouse, when you give a mouse a cookie, cookie. it wants a glass of milk. It's kind of like that. It escalates in the same manner. When you give a mouse a cookie, he becomes a whiny bitch and wants everything in the house. (laughs) So there's a story that spans six years from 2011 to 2017. Basically is this, this story that just starts with a monkey and a selfie and it just escalates like crazy. And questions the very nature of what a person is. <laughs> so here's the story. There's a photo shoot, right? Um, David Slater is a 52-year-old British wildlife photographer from South Wales. Uh, he's won numerous war- numerous awards, and he earns his living entirely on photography. This is like a highly acclaimed wildlife photographer. Yeah. In 2011, David Slater traveled to Sawasi Island in Indonesia. The island has a wild population of critically endangered celebes crested macaque monkeys that are being researched. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, his goal was to take photos of the monkeys and basically to highlight that they're critically endangered, bring you know bring um, notice to their get some cute pictures so people like oh right. So Slater followed a troop of, a troop of macaque monkeys for three days to gain their trust. Uh, the macaque are naturally very friendly and fond of company. Uh, Slater said, uh, quote, I became accepted as part of the troop. They touched me and groomed me. But the monkeys were too shy to let him actually photograph their faces. Hmm. So on the second day of a three-day shoot, Slater sets up his camera and tripod with a remote trigger accessible to the macaque. He figures that the animals would be curious about the device if he was not holding it. So as he predicted... The animals approached the device and looked into the lens and started taking pictures using the remote trigger. They were very excited and frenzied over the sound of the camera shutters and the reflection. Slater said, quote, I put my camera on a tripod with a very wide-angle lens, settings configured such as predictive autofocus, motor wind, even a flash gun, to give me a chance of a facial close-up if they were to approach again for, for a play. I duly moved away and bingo, they moved in, fingering the toy, pressing the buttons, and fingering the lens. I was then to witness one of the funniest things ever as they grinned, grimaced, and uh, bared their teeth at themselves in the reflection of the large glassy lens. Probably goes along with the whole thing of, uh, you know, animals and their reflections. They always think it's another animal. Right. Yeah, (laughs) hence they're baring their teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, many of these photos were unusable because, of course, they're animals just taking random-ass photos, right? But three of the photos were taken by a six-year-old female macaque, uh, and they were not only usable, but they straight up looked like selfie-style photos. I'll describe them to you, and we can put them on the site later. Yeah. But one of them is like her actually holding the the camera away from her, like it's like a phone yeah. selfie, and she's not smiling. She looks very serious, like in the photo. <laughs> and the oh other one is of like her face, and she's just like really smiling brightly into she's the camera. She's setting up her Bumble profile. She's got her deck lips. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> the third one was basically a photo that the uh, one of the macaque took of Slater and another macaque. So it took a photo of another monkey, mm-hmm. basically. So Slater licensed those three photos to the Cater's news agency and sold them under the title of Monkey's Selfie. 
Um, Slater earned around 2,000 UK pounds in the first year for these photos, and he assumed he could sell these photos because they were his photos. Yeah. Of course he could. Next, the photos go viral. In July 2011, the Telegraph newspaper in the UK published a story about Slater's unique photo. In the article, the, the writer misheadlined the story and claimed that the monkey stole the camera and shot those selfies on its own. But basically, people kind of assumed that, oh, wow, this monkey stole the camera and took its own yeah. selfies, which, it, you know, Slater set up the camera and they took the photos, but it wasn't exactly like that. But that misassumption, you know, made that story go viral because people just loved the idea of the monkeys mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> stealing a camera and taking <laughs> selfies. In August 2011, Mike Masnick, a writer for the online blog Tech Dirt, was alerted to this interesting story by one of his readers. The reader who notified him about the story was called Mr. Lemurboy. <laughs> nice. Dude, the funny thing about a name like Mr. Lemurboy is that you know he is a dude who loves to go online and read stories about monkeys. Like, that's his thing. <laughs> With a name like that, that's what he's doing. <laughs> he wears, like, monkeys, monkeys on his shirt. Oh, God. So, Masnick wrote two detailed articles where he broke down the legal ramifications of the story. He questions Slater's ownership of the photos. He argued that Slater did not take the photos, so he does not own them. But also... A monkey is not a legal person, so it cannot own intellectual property. So the monkey who took the photo also does not own the photo, which means the photos are technically in the public domain. Okay. So that's Masnick's argument. So Slater directly responds online to Masnick. He says he engineered the situation that led to the monkey selfie. His quote is, it was my artistry and idea to leave them to play with the camera, and it was all in my eyesight. I knew the monkeys were very likely to do this, and I predicted it. I knew there was a chance of a photo being taken. It required a lot of knowledge on my behalf, a lot of perseverance, sweat, and anguish, and all of that stuff. All the online outlets posting the photos, they made digital copies available of mm. those photos without referencing Slater's name or even paying him royalties to use those photos. And doing that hurt Slater financially because mm-hmm. it lowers the commercial value of the photos yeah he also argues that this type of an issue uh, of a copyright issue about who owns these photos must be settled in a court of law you know people like Masnick and tech dirt and all these online blogs posting his photo yeah questioning his his uh uh ownership of it they shouldn't do that because they're basically making an assumption without knowing for sure Following the Tech Dirt article, other outlets followed up on the story, including like BuzzFeed and a couple others. Uh, they all used the monkey selfie image without permission, and they all received cease and desist notices from the Cater's news agency. Yeah. So some of them removed the image, and others kept the image up. By the way, as a result of all these online outlets posting all these photos and everything, and uh, posting these articles about mm-hmm. the photos, and questioning the, the ownership, there's a lot of really funny article titles that came out as a result of it. So here's some of the funniest ones before I continue on. First, there's monkey business. Can a monkey license its copyrights to a news agency? Number two, monkey see, monkey do, monkey get copyright too? (laughs) Channeling a little bit of Dr. Seuss there. Another one is monkey see, monkey sue. (laughs) Oh, I like that one. Oh, that's clever. There's uh, legal arguments at monkey selfie case are bananas. (laughs) And then one of the articles that's one of my favorites is somebody at the New Yorker actually wrote a statement from the monkey. Nice. So it's entirely from the perspective Uh of the monkey and their stance on the ownership (laughs) issue of the photos. 
Did you read it? I did. It's written in third person where the monkey's basically saying like, like, you know, monkey was feeling very artistic that day and monkey felt like expressing himself. Like it basically is that. (laughs) I'm going to have to look that up later. (laughs) I'm just picturing monkey from Dexter's lab now (laughs) writing out this thing. Um, Okay. So next, right. Next part of the story. So Wikipedia gets involved. In January 2014, Wikimedia, the company that owns Wikipedia, they added the photos to its Wikimedia Commons, a website that stores content that is copyright free. They held basically the same argument as Masnick. Slater asked Wikimedia to remove the photos because it's losing him revenue. Like basically, like, and this is basically from his perspective, and I kind of feel for the guy for this. I think we'll all feel for the guy by the end of this story. A lot of people forget that his work is his livelihood. And he had to pay for that trip to Indonesia to take those photos. Due to Wikimedia's decision to basically take those photos and make them available to anybody, mm-hmm. Slater lost around 10,000 UK pounds. Yikes. You know, and Slater made very little money from those photos, despite how popular they were. And for him, the reason he's so aggressive about this whole issue is because for him, it's a fight for survival. It's yeah, like this is work. Right. Slater's quote well, is... It, it, to me, it's like... If you have a security camera up and you happen to catch something good happening with that security camera, that picture's still yours. Yeah, it's your equipment. Yeah, it's your equipment. Right? I mean, so that's, that's weird. That's yeah. some of the well, I mean, there's actually like legal stuff, and I'll get to that. But in this a just sounds like this. Was it sounds... the mad? What's the guy's name? The mad Maznik. Maznik. Just sounds like he was bored. He's like, hmm, how can I fuck with somebody? <laughs> what can well, I do? He wasn't bored. Lemur boy pointed it out to him, and he's like, <laughs> all right, let's go to town on this guy. <laughs> Um, I mean, it really does seem like a lot of people are being mean to to Slater, honestly. Um, So Slater's quote is, photography is an expensive profession that's being encroached Mm -hmm. upon. They're taking our livelihoods away. For every 10,000 images I take, one makes money that keeps me going. And that was one of those images. It was like a year of work. Yeah. Some Wikimedia editors were split on what to do about the issue. Some, like Saffron Blaze, believed in waiting for a true legal decision. Uh, In fact, and in the transcript, it also shows that others, in this whole discussion between these editors about whether to keep the photos or not, mm. some of the editors actually criticized the monkey's low resolution and poor angle. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> wow. And some people are just like, dude, it's a monkey. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> in the end, they voted to keep the image in the Wikimedia Commons with a 10 to 9 vote. So it was very close, but they decided, no, we're going to keep these photos publicly available to anybody who wants them. Mm. Slater threatened it's crazy. Right, it's really messed up. Slater threatened to sue Wikimedia and other outlets involved. And this became more difficult because that same like around that same time frame basically the fall of 2014, the US Copyright Office released an update to its policy manual. And an online blogger from public knowledge named Sherwin Sai was the one who pointed out that there is an update to the Copyright Office's mm. policy. And basically, it gave examples of non-human created content that is not protected by copyright. Literally, the first example was a photograph taken by a monkey. This whole thing by the US Copyright Office basically was them throwing shade at Slater because this is after the whole monkey debate was like yeah. online for a long time. So they updated their own policy manual to be like, the monkey photo doesn't count. <laughs> like you don't get a copyright that. So Wikimedia's decision basically created a blank check on using the photos without permission. Um, so everybody started using these photos without asking for permission or even, even actually um, giving credit to uh, Slater for having engineered that that photo. Jimmy Wales, the founder of Wikimedia, even used 
monkey selfie, quote unquote, as the theme for the annual Wikimania conference in 2014, the big like Wikipedia oh, wow. party. Yeah. And, That's just a slap in the face. Right. And yep. many people, basically they had like, you know how when you go to like a conference or like a big event, they have like a, like a wall where you can take like photos yeah. to show you're there. Mm-hmm. Instead of that kind of a wall, they had a big photo of the monkey selfie. Oh my wow. God. And what so, is their vendetta against I mean, this guy? Right. Many people thought it was tactless that a millionaire and his massive corporation was gloating about trampling on an artist's right to his work. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one thing to like say legally we can do this, blah, blah, but to like slap in the face like that is almost cruel. Exactly. Like, it, it's, well, it's, uh, Kenneth and I were actually talking about the copyright issue before mm-hmm. in the car yeah. where basically any artist who uploads any of their material, whether it's photography, whether it's a digital illustration, they're pretty much screwed because anyone can hijack that. Yeah, yeah. because co- yep. the, the interesting thing is copyright laws are different in every country and not every country is strictly in enforcing them it, like things in china yeah. that's that's the biggest kind of like gripe with copyrights oh, yeah. around the world someone sure. in china could just copy your design mm-hmm. they do that with cars they do that with cell phones they do that with anything and, and there's no way to stop there's them. no because yeah. the thing is the chinese copyright aspect of their government would just say oh it doesn't look like it at all oh yeah and yeah that, you that, can make things look similar that, so that's why in the tech industry um, if China copies any of our apps, we can't do anything. Yeah, you can't do anything. That's the really bad thing. So in business-wise in tech, it's like you're racing against China's ability to create a product. Yeah. Dude, straight up in Sri Lanka, when I was living there, my my aunt has a nursery there. Mm-hmm. She's had it for like 20-something years. Mm-hmm. Dude, the mascot's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> like, I mean, in, in Sri Lanka, funny. there's no, you can't enforce that copyright there. Yeah. So it's like, whatever. One other thing that I've come across is in the um, photography groups that I'm in, there are actual photos of people's families and from the United States, mm-hmm. people will travel the world and they'll be like, why is your family that, you know, the family on the, the advertising for the clothing company or something like that. Oh, they'll wow. just be on billboards, That's real crazy. families. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty creepy. Yeah, that, that would be yeah. creepy to see yourself on a billboard suddenly. Can you imagine going out of the country and then driving <laughs> and being like, why is my daughter on the side of this building that has, you know, what does that even it's kind you of know. Ah, waffle guy. <laughs> That's you. Like, um, <laughs> National Lampoon's European vacation where um, Chevy Chase he's like filming his wife and she's like getting all you know starting to undress and everything like that and then the video gets stolen and then as they're driving through Europe there's a big <laughs> billboard of her. <laughs> That's just making fun of it. Well, so oh. in terms of Wikimedia, right? Yeah. They're jerks. <laughs> That's exactly. a consensus. But Slater couldn't afford to take Wikimedia to court. So he, was, he wasn't even able to defend his right to his photos. He just did not have the money to be able to pay for litigation. Yeah. So the next part of this story is called Slater does go to court. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. As a defendant. They're suing him. What? Wait, they're suing him? As a defendant, what? he's being sued. Oh, wow. So Excuse me? <laughs> in September... 2015, PETA filed a lawsuit against oh Slater. Oh my god, god. give me a break. Those I might as well just say it. I hate PETA. <laughs> no, I hate yeah. PETA. I don't, I don't care what they say. <laughs> so PETA is suing Slater and this company called Blurb, which is a publishing company that produced Slater's uh, photography book, which is called Wildlife Personalities. Yeah. And, the, and because Wildlife Personalities has the, the monkey selfie photos in it. That's his work, yeah. right? So they're suing him because they claim that the monkey should own the photos and not Slater. Give me a break. So PETA's lawyer, Jeff Kerr, states that the U.S. Copyright Act doesn't specifically define an author as as a work of a human. 
And also, PETA got a primatologist named Ancha Engelhardt from Germany who actually worked with the macaque monkeys in Indonesia. So she is somebody who watched those monkeys get raised. Like she, yeah. she studies them. So they got her to jump on the case. And basically what they said to her is, listen, Dr. Engelhardt, we can get funding for these monkeys if we can get basically prove that this monkey owns this photo yeah and so she's like listen i'll do whatever it takes to help these monkeys like her her goal was noble Peta was just like let's let's get the monkey to own uh, this selfie no good can come of this so they sued Peta sued based on the quote next friends principle uh under the u.s you know uh, constitution or in the litigation policy um and, and basically their goal was to grant the copyright to PETA because they're the next friend Give me of a break. the monkey. Oh my God. Wow. The wow. next friend principle basically allows a person to sue in the name of another person who is unable to do so. For example, someone who's in a coma or handicapped. But in everyone this case, already a keeps monkey. saying the monkey is not a person. So right. The monkey's not, not a person. Wow. And, it's and, not and a exactly. person. And since it was using his equipment, so he should... Be but having I mean, that right. Why don't they just sue National mm-hmm. Geographic for all the photos <laughs> that they take? Maybe Peter's afraid to go after National Geographic. <laughs> I mean, they can go after poor uh, poor photographers. Yeah, but not uh, like go <laughs> after Nat Geo. Go after know. um, what's the one on BBC? Um, Planet, Planet, Earth. Planet Earth and everything. <laughs> like BBC will stomp them, and yeah. I hope they do. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they'll send the doctor. So the case was submitted to the U.S. District Court of the Northern District of California because that's where the publishing company was located. Mm. Listen, I, I'm going to say something really quick, and then we have to sidebar for a little bit because this is part of the moment where this got, like, really crazy to me. So I want to tell you the legal name of this case. Oh, God. Okay. It might mean something to some of you, maybe not to others. I don't know. I cracked up at this. The legal name of this case is Naruto versus David Slater. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, what? Dude, it's called Naruto versus David Slater. Everybody who laughed is Why? like, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll explain it. Basically, even in my notes, I wrote, stop. We need to sidebar and talk about this. So PETA and the researcher named this monkey Naruto, right? Okay. And for me, there's so many flags that went up. As soon as I read that, I was like, there's like a hundred flags I have to talk about. First, the for me, the elephant in the room or the... The monkey. The monkey in the, <laughs> the room. Monkey the monkey in the photo. <laughs> the monkey in the photo. Someone, someone at PETA or the macaque research team is a weeaboo. It's a weeaboo. Straight up. Damn it. Straight up. A they're somewhere. a weeaboo. The weeaboo somewhere on that team. How could this happen? <laughs> so just, just for any listeners who don't might not know, so we, we explained it in one of our older episodes. A weeaboo is a anime fan who's like really annoying, really like obsessive and kind of like really crazy about anime to like... Uh, an anti-social the anime version of PETA. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. A, a weeaboo, that's perfect. A weeaboo is the anime version of PETA. That is perfect, Brendan. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I agree with that. Now, Naruto makes a lot of sense. Naruto makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So here's the other thing. PETA's lawyers, because they named this monkey Naruto, and they went and filed all the paperwork PETA's lawyers were either weeaboos or they didn't know who Naruto was. Yeah. <laughs> and for anybody who, who doesn't know also, so Naruto is the main character of a pretty much like one of the top 10 most popular animes of all time called Naruto. Top three. Top three. But there you go. Top three. Well, part of the big three. It's part of the big... We'll debate that later. It's not, it's, <laughs> when it comes to popularity, yes. I, I'll, whatever, whatever. The point is... It is, like, one of the most popular animes ever. It's about, like, this little ninja kid who lives in a village, and he, like, it's his adventures. <laughs> and it's also named after, a, it's like a Japanese 
like fish paste. Yeah, it's thing. Yeah, he, he got his name from a fish I paste. Yeah. Any characters after food over there? Is it? Is it really? Made yeah, yeah. It's, it's named after Naruto Maki. Oh, which it has that swirl, and Naruto has that swirl on his cheek. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's in like in ramen and stuff. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Is that what that is? Yep. Mm-hmm. I always wondered what that little swirl thing <laughs> Naruto was. Naruto Maki. Basically, my assumption is that one of those PETA interns with like one of those like hidden leaf village headbands is like really happy with themselves <laughs> because because now there is actually US legal court record with this whole Naruto versus David Slater case. If anyone's ever arguing another case they'd be like and they had to refer to this like in Naruto versus <laughs> yeah. blah blah blah. Exactly. And uh, Oh my god. I, I I don't know the actual name for it, but I'm just thinking of all the pictures from that court case. Let that artist have been a weeb as well. Let it be drawn in manga. Anime style. court sketches. <laughs> a large anime eyes. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So does monkey. CNN, whenever they were talking about this story, they kept referring to the uh, the, the monkey as Naturo. So I immediately knew, like, okay, <laughs> CNN does not watch anime. Like, nobody at CNN's watching no, anime. No, sounds like a Godzilla <laughs> monster. Like, so, uh, by the way, so, okay, one thing to know also is that, like, Naruto's catchphrase in this show is, believe it. He's always, he's always just, like, when people say, like, you can't do it, or he, he says, like, I can do this thing, like, you know, whatever, I'll be the greatest, you know, whatever, blah, blah. Yeah. He's like, believe it. Like, that's his catchphrase, <laughs> believe it. Dude, one of the comments on, like, one of these articles, somebody wrote, can a monkey sue for property rights? Believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it hurts. It hurts so bad. So, so flag. It hurts so much. I love it. Flag number two. No one knows if Naruto is even the right monkey. So PETA went to Indonesia to identify the monkey in the photos, and they were like, "Okay, They're this one." Serve him with a water. <laughs> this one's named Naruto. This is the monkey in the photos. However, Slater claims it was, and they claimed it was a male monkey. Slater claims it was a female monkey named Ella, and Slater's quote is, Naruto is not in the picture. A female is in my photograph. Naruto is a fraudulent monkey. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fictional monkey. I want that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Naruto is a fraudulent monkey. (laughs) Fraudulent monkey. So, okay, no joke, though. This whole wrong monkey thing started a monkey <laughs> truth or conspiracy on Twitter. People on Twitter who are following the story were debating, like, it's the wrong monkey, it's an inside <laughs> job, somebody's trying to hide the real monkey. Oh There's a whole God. truth or conspiracy. At one point, okay, so a reporter interviewed PETA lawyer Jeff Kerr, right? Right. Um, so he interviewed the lawyer about Naruto. And this is actually a transcript in that conversation for that interview. The reporter says, so how did he get the name Naruto? And the lawyer says, that I don't know. The reporter says, I see. And then the, attor- <laughs> <laughs> then the attorney says, for purposes of being able to identify the animals that they are studying in the wild, researchers will frequently provide names to them. They can tell one from the other. And the reporter says, yeah. I think that it's interesting, though, that his name is Naruto, which my assumption is it's a Japanese name. <laughs> like, he's, like, heavily trying to suggest. And then the lawyer, there's, like, a long silence, and the lawyer's like, okay. <laughs> like, this is, like, a long okay. And the reporter says, so. <laughs> this is, like, the most awkward interview ever. <laughs> and then the reporter, then the uh, attorney says, that wasn't a question. I'm not sure how to respond to that. Like, this reporter is really trying to get this attorney to be like, yes, we named it after an anime character. (laughs) So, okay, moving on. So, 
Slater's legal team described the lawsuit as ridiculous and asked for dismissal. Like this is the opening statement that Slater's lawyer gave. Uh, he said, or she said, a monkey, an animal rights organization, and a primatologist walk into a federal court to sue for infringement of the monkey's co- claimed copyright. This doesn't sound like a very good joke. They started out <laughs> as, a, as a terrible joke, but that's how they opened this case. Slater's lawyer says, also, the only pertinent fact in this case is that the plaintiff is a monkey suing for copyright infringement. Imagining a monkey as the copyright's author in a Title 17 of the United States Code is a farcical journey Dr. Seuss might have written. <laughs> Good point. Peter's lawyer responds by saying, if successful, this will be the first time that an animal is declared the owner of property instead of being declared a piece of property himself. Yep. That's what this is going to challenge Nat Geo and BBC <laughs> to its core. Yeah. I mean, and what does that mean for me and all the pictures I take of my dogs? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, only if the dog <laughs> takes a photo, then it, it's it's uh, you know a problem. Oh my goodness! My rabbit took it's a crazy. selfie. <laughs> does he own it? Apparently, I mean, well, we have to see the outcome of the case, yeah. but. In January 2016, U.S. District Judge William Oreck ruled that Naruto cannot be the owner of the photos. Uh, only Congress can decide if an animal can own intellectual property. After they lost the case, PETA promised to continue fighting for Naruto's rights. Here's a bizarre twist. Like, this story just gets weird. So in a bizarre twist, Ancha Engelhart, right, the primatologist that PETA was using as the next of friend yeah. for their case, they suddenly, or the, the, the lawyer, Jeff Kerr, had a falling out with her. And he stopped answering her phone calls and her emails. She messaged him that she's coming over to his house. And then he called the cops on her and got her arrested. <laughs> what the <laughs> what? What? Listen, this whole, there, there's very few details about what the circumstances were that made her and the lawyer yeah. have a falling out. And all of a sudden, she goes to his house, texting him a lot. She, he this calls the cops. sounds like they started an affair or something. It's, listen, <laughs> let me tell you one thing that I know is a fact. In the scientific community, the t- two professions that have the most likelihood to have like a weird love triangle or weird kind of like romantic like weird thing going on it's astronauts and primatologists <laughs> like it is, it is absolutely astronauts and primatologists think about it Ancha was in the jungle for Monkeys like ever romantic. she was in the jungle forever she finally got to go to like you know California she met this handsome lawyer I mean I, I, it just writes itself something weird happened with these two and then he called the cop he got, he got scared and he called the cop she got too handsy she, she got dude she started grooming him that's why she started doing that <laughs> she started like grooming him and like you know <laughs> he was uncomfortable with that. He's a lawyer. He's not a... He's <laughs> not a monkey. Yeah. So she, she's off the case now. So despite having Naruto's actual friend arrested, PETA claims that they still qualify for the next friend principal in the lawsuit. Slater's lawyer, she's just like, how can PETA, having alleged no relationship with Naruto, be a suitable next friend for him when PETA's relationship with a primatologist who does allege lifelong relationship with him has soured to the point that PETA's general counsel, counsel had her arrested for criminal <laughs> trespass and harassment. That's a very like, good point. <laughs> they brought that up in court. Like, yeah. how can wow. you even continue I'm this I'm surprised case? that all this has gone through and no <laughs> judge has said or even written in their opinions why the hell is this a case in front of me today? <laughs> right, because she's thrown it out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So PETA takes Slater to court again. Of they course. basically appeal the decision. So in March 2016, PETA appealed the decision and brought it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Oral arguments were held in July 2017. So that's this year. This all yeah. happened. Uh, both Jesus. parties 
both parties stated their case. The arguments eventually during this whole oral argument uh, portion became so heated that they started to cite U.S. policy on same-sex marriage at one point. What? Because um, that makes sense. Yeah, when, but basically the argument that PETA's lawyer was making was when stated that Naruto didn't qualify as a person, PETA's lawyer claimed that previously U.S. policy was that a spouse is a man and a woman, but not anymore. So he's basically saying like, well... Naruto is not a person legally, but that could change. What? Oh my god! (laughs) Makes no sense. (laughs) I mean, they have to really pull on strings to make this thing. This is making me hate Peta even more. So the funny thing about this whole basically they didn't go back to slavery or something. Like, well, that was legal. Dude, they did. They did. I didn't. I didn't cite that here, but no, they did talk about slavery. Oh my goodness! And they brought up how. Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact yeah. quote, but they brought like slavery as a part of U.S. legal code that's also the changed. The other question I have, aside from the judge not saying, why am I listening to this? The lawyer that's actually defending mm-hmm. this case, or, or for Peter, they're like, did I really go to law school for this? Dude, is this the pinnacle of my career? No, they're PETA's lawyer on staff, dude. Like that com- that uh, firm that works for PETA, yeah. PETA, they do cases all the time. And And here's the thing. I think it's because PETA gives them steady work. Like, they get yeah. work no, a lot, high-profile work. Yeah. But I mean, this is a ridiculous case. So it's like, Somebody isn't said, there a more ana- yeah, other a important animal active rights activist No, but the, but the thing is, I, what I've seen about PETA is they only take work that has, I guess, news quality. Controversy. Yeah, controversy. Yeah. They want more exposure they, yeah, for shock, PETA. Shock so yeah, so this is not shocking that they would win. take this case. Just, and Jeff Kerr's law firm isn't afraid to look stupid. Well, apparently, oh, oh, apparently. He succeeded. Yeah. So some of the court record <laughs> conversations. <laughs> what? what happened? Some of the court record conversations got really weird and abstract. So some of the con- the conversation. Slater's lawyer at one point says, it makes no sense to allow a monkey to enforce a copyright suit. But if you're going to do that, it's equally absurd to deny a monkey a written notice of right to intervene in a lawsuit. It's uh, And then the judge in the case says, well, Naruto wouldn't need a written notice. Maybe the other macaque monkeys in Indonesia would. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so they're having like a straight up like trying to debate the legal oh consequences of this. If it's not this monkey, it's another one. Exactly. And then the judge also says, in the world of Naruto, is there legitimacy and illegitimacy? Are Naruto's offspring children as defined by statute? Oh my god. Well, I mean his son is Boruto. Yeah. We might have to ask him. <laughs> it's it's I, not in know, the world of Naruto. I wrote it so you would go there. Of course, in the world of Naruto, there's legitimacy. There's only one thing. He he has for, a son for, named Boruto. There's only one thing for him to do. <laughs> the person that made Naruto well. have to buy the, the monkey. <laughs> and now it's the mascot. So they own it. That would be perfect. That will fix everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're actually yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our mascot monkey. Now it's famous in Indonesia. We're selling books there now. So... <laughs> The primate Hokage. Yeah. <laughs> primate Hokage. Okay, so in August 2017, both parties advised the court to hold off on ruling on the case because they're close to reaching a settlement. And in September 11th, 2017... They went uh, and bought the monkey. They, no, settlement was reached. Um, Slater will donate 25% of all of his photo profits to charities that protect wildlife photos... Uh, sorry, protect wildlife photos. Protect wildlife of macaque monkeys in Indonesia. In a joint statement, PETA and David Slater agree that this case raises important cutting-edge issues about expanding legal rights to non-human animals, a goal that they both support, and they will continue their respective work to achieve this goal. 
Both parties, however, requested a vacature of the lower court decision that Naruto cannot own the copyright. Basically, that way it's not a part of, part of court precedence, yeah. uh, a part of common law, basically. They asked that the lower court's decision that a monkey cannot own you know, the copyright be thrown out of the, the record. Um, however, the request for vacature was challenged because technically all parties must be present in order to reach that decision. And oh, no. Naruto is not present, so it's no. not possible to vacate the lower court decision. <sighs> so what is the aftermath of this whole ridiculous court case, court battle? They go to Indonesia. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. This monkey's getting the red carpet treatment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> PETA promises to continue litigation to oh protect animal rights. Oh Their lawyer, Jeff Kerr, said, Legal history was made today because we argue to a federal court why Naruto should be the owner of the copyright rather than been seen as a piece of property himself. This case is also exposing the hypocrisy of those who exploit animals for their own gain. And we also showed that we're idiots. So uh, (laughs) in July 2017, Slater stated that this case has completely ruined his life. Yeah. It ruined my life too right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He made 2,000 UK pounds from the photos but spent much more on legal fees he couldn't even afford to fly out to the u.s to be in court people stopped paying for the photos after wikimedia refused to accept his copyright claim and at at one point slater even desperately offered the photos to anyone willing to just pay the shipping and handling and he'll still donate 25 percent to charity he just wants to get something for the photos at this point so mean and Slater... At that point, I want to pay for the shipping. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, yeah. I would, monkey pictures. I, I'll buy his picture. <laughs> let, let, should let, have let's, that. let's post something on yeah. our saying, go support this guy. This is a serious website. case of like a, like a... It's like a bullying a person yeah, at this point. Because they have like endless funds to fight in court. This guy does not. Right. Uh, yeah. Slater is so actually... Cosplay as Naruto, go to cons Dude, and get people to guys, donate money for this entire thing. How awesome would it be if at these like conventions and stuff like that, people start going dressed up as a monkey, but with like the Naruto like mm-hmm. jumper and like the headband and everything. <laughs> and basically, oh, wow. nobody will get it, but some, some people will get it who listen to this show. I like that. I like that. Idea. Let's not talk about Harambe anymore. Let's talk about not, Naruto dude. the monkey. Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, yeah dude. Harambe's time. M- is Mike's over. out for Naruto, dude. <laughs> Mike's out for Naruto. <laughs> so, oh my god. So, okay, Sl- Slater has actually said that he's considering quitting his career as a wildlife Aww. photographer oh. to do whatever it takes just to make some money, including dog walking and tennis instructing. Oh man! Like he'll take whatever odd jobs he can get just to pay the bills, you know. <sighs> Um, he's quoted as saying, this would be a new venture for me. It would pay peanuts, but at least it would be more than photography. I'm just not motivated to go out and take photos anymore. Yeah, it makes crushed his yeah. spirit. I- I've had outlays of several thousand pounds for lawyers. It's losing me income and getting me so depressed. Mm-hmm. When I think about the whole situation, I really don't think it's worth it. Everything I did to try and highlight the plight of the monkeys has backfired on my private life. I've had my life ruined. And another quote he says is, I sincerely wish my five-year-old daughter to be able to be the pr- be proud of her father and inherit my copyright so that she can make my work into an asset and inheritance and go to university. I have very little else to offer her. Mm. Um, however, Sad. Yeah, I mean, that part broke my spirit a little bit because, like, he is just a starving artist just trying to, yeah. you know, I mean, he, and he's actually an acclaimed award-winning artist you know photographer and he's still very poor and not able to do much with any of his work i feel like now if he were to go back into doing wildlife photography he has to like go up to the elephant like look man i'm gonna take your picture but yeah. 
you know, yeah. just, just sign, sign, sign Yeah, can you can you use your trunk and sign this waiver? Yeah. <laughs> Um, however, Slater oh. is still happy he reached his goal of getting attention for the endangered macaque monkeys. He's quoted as saying, It has taken six years for, for my original intention to come true, which was to highlight the plight of the monkeys and bring it to the world. No one had heard of these monkeys six years ago. They were down to the last thousands. So, and, and also Slater said that he may technically be the first person to be sued by a monkey. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, my God. The hopefully last, the last. Yeah, hopefully the last. Uh, the last quote I want to leave you with is just this. This is a quote that I saw in the comment section of one of these articles that like a commenter wrote. Yeah. I think it's perfect. He wrote, I'd argue that Naruto is the most intelligent and sane part of this whole story. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Believe it. <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> So, Courtney, okay. what do you got for us? So, doing a complete different, <laughs> going down a different road. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to tell you guys the story about the Leatherman. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I can't wait to I see. I know this one. is already <laughs> a Courtney story. So, some of you guys already, already know this. Wait, so who, who does know this who story? Who does know this? I do. And Brendan, do. do you know it? Uh, no, I knew the monkey story. I okay. don't know about the leather okay. man. I don't know this either. I'm curious how this is going to relate to So, Becky, if you want to jump in with anything, feel free to, to do that. Okay. So, okay. Um, so he's he's known as the leather man. People don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't know anything about him. They have no idea what his actual name is. He's just known as the leather man. There's speculation of a name, and I'll get to that in is, a minute. Is this a historical story? It is a historical okay. story. This happened in the 1800s. Okay. Um, it happened between, it takes place in Connecticut and New York. So there's this guy that spends his whole life, at least as well as these people know him his whole life, walking around in a circle between Connecticut and New York. It takes, it's a 365 mile walk and oh, it takes hell. him, he gets to the places, it's 34 days long. He does this all year, every day, every single just, day, just, just walking around. Just straight up Tom around. Hanks. He's just... I was going to yeah. say, I think this is the original, the OG Forrest Gump. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just felt like running. Yeah. He was not running. Though. He was I walking. Mean, he he was, was walking. But I mean, also, I have a question. I mean, are there roads that are easily accessible to, to navigate this circuit? I I mean, you have to think back yes. in the 1800s. Yeah, you know, especially. What, it's just dirt roads, I guess. Yeah. Um, and in terms of where he would sleep, he preferred to sleep in caves. And that's okay. where he would go to sleep. So he wasn't he wasn't going full Forrest Gump because yeah. he slept and stuff yeah. like that. And Forrest he didn't Gump was he just... didn't go from one end of the country to the other. He just yeah. kept going in the same right. circle, the right. same circle. The towns that he would hit. Um... He he wasn't as ambitious as Forrest. Yeah, Gump. No, he was, no, no. He was a less ambitious. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Forrest Gump. Gump did his sleep. shoes weren't as nice. He did sleep. Yeah, it, it's he said it was like travel for like three years or something. Yeah, he has to have slept, dude. From what I remember about that movie, the whole thing was he just didn't stop. He just kept no, going. No, he had to sleep. He's there... like, no, when I slept, you know, I slept. And when I had to go, I went. Yeah. You know, oh, I mean, okay, okay. He's, not, yeah. he's not Jack Bauer, you know. <laughs> dude, listen, well, Forrest Gump is capable of a lot of crazy <laughs> shit, dude. I, I really, when I watched that movie, I really, I must have glossed over that part because I really thought, dude ran for three years. He had stopped. <laughs> he's still gonna have. To, where do you think he'd get the energy? He'd have to eat okay, and everything. Do you guys remember that story that we did? Like 
like a year ago about the dancing plague where people danced yeah. for like mm. two months yeah. straight, nonstop, yeah. eating, sleeping, nothing. Hey, you never know, man. That's that's true. But no, Forrest Gump did <laughs> stop and the leather man did stop. Okay. <laughs> so um, the reason why he's known as the leather man is because his entire wardrobe is made out of leather. Um, I read in one place it was shoe. Oof, it was dude. specifically it was shoe leather. I also I have to say that is not comfortable walking, jogging, well, clothing. It, like it sh- weighed about sh- sixty pounds. Your, your your skin is gonna be so raw. Yeah. like that's gross. Yeah. yeah, he spent. He also would take time to make patches on it, so you know, to keep. He he kept it up, um, and it weighed sixty pounds. And this would be through all sorts of weather. So Snow, he is like the heat. fawns of hobos. Like yes. he he looks like. <laughs> Hobo fawns. Exactly. Traveling the country. Yeah. Traveling around Connecticut and New York. Um, did you hear why he chose leather? I did not. Do you know why? I do. Oh. So can I add? Yeah, yeah go, go, go for it. Okay. So he, when he was younger, he fell in love with a girl whose father was a leather, you know, maker. I don't know what he did. But he made sho- maybe shoes or things with leather. And um, he got a job with her father and one of his jobs was to order um, leather at a certain, you know, make sure he gets yeah. it for a certain price and stuff like that. <laughs> well, he places his order and then the price of leather drops. And so he ends up spending a whole bunch of money when he he ordered it wrong. So he ended wow. up getting outcasted from her family. Her father was angry um, that he, he wasted all this money and they would never make their money back after it. So he mm. ended up getting i think he ended up having to leave the girl and they did not get married or he had to leave her because the father was so mad but leather was like the sticking point taking the leather <laughs> and that's why his suit was leather dude i want to throw out really quick one the whole time you were telling it, i was thinking like dude this sounds like a comic book backstory. And then when <laughs> when you got to the part about how like somebody brought in this order for this leather thing and then it didn't work out and then he just took the leather for himself i was like dude that's basically rorschach's backstory in the watchman like oh you're right dude, it's, that's it's, right it's, the, it's maybe that it's one based guy's, off of this you never know dude the guy gets this order for leather and he's like oh now nah, like they didn't take the leather or whatever like the price of leather dropped and then he's like now i will wear the leather and become leather man <laughs> <laughs> that's a comic no. backstory <laughs> well the only thing i have to say from what i read yeah i did come across that but from what i saw um, that's a that's a, a, a myth that's been debunked. That's not the real story. I mean, okay, he, he, he okay. still remains a mystery. So part of that, so in in trying to name him, the name Jules Borglay came up, and that's his backstory of what you just said. Dude. That he, you know, he was the financial ruin of that family, and so as penance, that's why he just continued walking around in a circle all day. I just want to remind you guys, by the way, that one of the most common Superman tropes is he walks the country righting <laughs> wrongs. I'm not joking. That's what they do all the time in those comics. I want you to keep all of that in mind when I get to the end, because okay. it, it's gonna... His name's Leatherman, right? His name is Leatherman. 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 Now, that Bor- there was, was it George Bor- Borglay? Jules. Jules Borglay is Leatherman. Leather yes, yes. So, I mean, in terms of trying to find out where, find out his origins of where he's from, he does have, you know, he doesn't talk that much, but when he did speak very little, he had a heavy French accent. Mm. So he might have been from France or he might be French-Canadian. So they don't know. Um, the other things that they know about him is that he carried a large, uh, he carried a French language prayer book. He was Roman Catholic and he refused meat on Fridays. So that's, that's all that they know. It's just from people telling 
By the way, I'm really riveted in how this ties into photography. Like, I'm really wondering. Well, it's a picture. If- it's pictures of him. Oh, okay. So okay, they okay. don't. That's they don't the- know. But so all that we know about him is from the pictures that people took, and also from how people, um, you know, they got to know him. So he became so well known on his route that people actually looked forward to seeing mm. him. And even the teachers would be like, okay, kids, if you get all your work done, you can go out and see the leather man. <laughs> yeah. You can do stuff with the leather man. I really thought it was going to be one of those, like, I mean, I, I thought it was like the photo part is he's a wandering photographer also. No. And he's like, <laughs> oh, that would have been cool. Dude. Well, that's the thing. So people would take pictures of him, but he did not like that because he was a very private person. And, uh, you know, and usually if somebody did take a picture of him, he just refused, he wouldn't go back to that to that mm. specific area he wouldn't mm. do that and um the people loved him so much that you know they would offer him food they tried to give him shelter but he would always refuse it um and if people would talk to him without him um approaching them he would just kind of let it happen and then he wouldn't go back to them ever again mm. he would have to initiate any contact with the people and the most that he would either grunt in response or if he did talk to me very very little um, so was it true that he also he came every the same time every year? So yes. he came mm-hmm. on, yep. yeah. And then he also ate like a lot of food. Yeah, he well, because people he would eat lots of food. Yeah, and people, but they were preparing it. Like housewives would make sure they had extra food for him, you know. And um, there was one thing I saw. I have to find it. But like, if the kids put, they would put out um, pennies like on the fence or on a fence or whatever, and he would come by and replace them with shiny ones. And so, so that's something that he would do with the kids again. So he was, I mean, he was a recluse. He was weird, mysterious and weird. But he was. But everyone loved him. You know. So um, there, at one point in 1888, there was a major snowfall, and so people were trying to get him to come in, come inside, you know, you know, be with us, be safe. And they weren't able to, but they did actually were able to catch him because they people were concerned and they got the authorities involved, like bring him <laughs> into the hospital because he had a sore on his lip and they wanted him to be taken care of or whatever. Mm. They kept him for like a day or two. Then he's like, nah, I'm out of here. And so he yeah. left. Got um, some walking to do. Exactly. Gotta walk the earth. But then well, like, um, <laughs> but then a year later he, he ended up dying and they think that that oh. sore was actually a sign of cancer. Oh, yeah. No. So, so that's, I mean, it, it definitely is sad. And, you know, people were just like, okay. So they found him in a cave. I mean, Jules Borclay died as he lived, walking. But that's not his name. We don't know. Listen, <laughs> for purposes of this story, for me, his name is Jules Borclay, yeah. the leather man. And, 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 and he became the leather man because of a broken heart and a broken order. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> a broken order. <laughs> They also tried, oh, okay. people try to buy him shoes, right? And he wouldn't wear anything. He wouldn't he would wear just, anything else, yeah. He would rip the leather off the shoes and add that to his, his suit, but he would return the soles back to them. Basically, everyone was like, let's be nice to him. They, they, were, they were vying for his attention. They would offer him yeah, anything. He and he's just yeah. like, yeah, no, I have better things to do. Yeah. <laughs> he was Tim. Yeah. <laughs> but he never yeah. he never showered and he always wore that same leather suit. Mm-hmm. I yep. mean I can't imagine what that man smelled oh like. Oh my gosh. Oh I know, yeah, right? It's sleeping in the caves and smells yeah. like, smells like a Walmart. <laughs> Dude, that's it. Holy shit, we just discovered a Walmart smells like it smells like leather man. <laughs> we were waiting for that. Now we know. Waiting for that. 360 for that joke. Exactly. <laughs> <A> connection. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you guys something that, that's weird. Okay. okay. So he died in um, 1889. 
and they they the townspeople all got together and they they buried him in the pauper section um, of uh, in Ossing, New York. Okay, in 2011, the historical society like, okay, we want to know more about him. We're, let's let's exhume. They want to first. What year they, is this? This is 2011. Oh, 2011. Okay. This is really we jumped ahead. Recent, we jumped yeah. ahead. We jumped ahead. We, so 2011, yeah. they because his his legend, he's still known in this in these areas. Dude, like, somewhere he somewhere in the the back roads of Connecticut and New York, there's small towns where they whisper like, ah, oh, sometimes the wind blows. You can hear uh, they the have man. they have caves named after him. They're known <laughs> as they're known as Leatherman Caves because Leather- that's where they believe that he slept. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in 2011, they're like, okay, we want to know more about him. So let's exhume his body, see if we can get some DNA and okay. see if we can try to trace him to anything. Cause they don't know anything about him on his grave marker. They had the dates uh, from when they first got to know him, which was 1858 to 1889. I mean, the mm. thing about that time period is it goes back to the whole Tiger Whitehead story. It's like these people did these epic things, but mm-hmm. a lot of times people are really fudging and not sure about yeah. How old they were, right. where they're from, what their name is. Exactly. I mean, we don't even know how old this guy killed. was. How many bears they killed, right? <laughs> 99. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to do that. But also it was with the intention of moving him to a nicer spot um, okay. with, and give him a new headstone and everything. So that was the idea. So they go to his grave site. They, they, exhume, they, it? they exhume it. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. What? All there is what? is just a few nail, uh, nails from the coffin and that's it. They have no idea where nails from the coffin. Hey, remind, from the coffin. Hey, somehow reminds me of Jesus. Yeah, somebody, <laughs> he wasn't there. Where's his so, leather suit? Somebody that's, should have yeah. left the leather in there. Yeah, it's gone. So what they did was they just took the nails from the coffin and they went. They put created a new grave site with a new headstone, um, and and that's that's it. They just buried with that. And people actually still go to where it is now, where it's located now, and they leave pennies near it but that's no one knows where he is people like to think you know he's still just walking around <laughs> wandering that's the earth. creepy wandering. yeah it yeah. is yeah yeah somebody's got Part the suit hanging maybe, up in their house i, I mean you know the problem is also family that knew who he actually was and they decided oh. to keep it private maybe and- that actually makes a lot of sense though i mean like i said he li- he died as he lived yeah mm-hmm. and it makes sense yeah. that his body isn't even in one yeah. place. Yeah, he died it's, as he lived. It's everywhere. It's he walked wandering. somewhere else. Yeah. Well, and, and Becky made a point, like, where's the leather? <laughs> Where is the leather? A part of him. <laughs> a part of the man. And he smells like Walmart. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> oh, man. I actually want to tell you guys about one thing really quick before I go. Just It's a photo thing that I really mm-hmm. thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, look into, like, who was the first person ever photographed, right? Yeah. That was like a link that I found. That's not really that funny, so I don't want to mm, talk about it. Sure. But I do want to talk about who the first person was to ever flip off a camera. <laughs> <laughs> because there is, back in 1886, right, mm-hmm. there was a uh, baseball team. I'm trying to find out what uh, league they're from or what area, but they were a major league baseball team, like an old-timey like yeah. baseball league. Um, the pitcher was named Charles Old Haas Radborn, because of course he'd be named that. <laughs> um, Again, back then they had the best names yeah. ever. Like the funny thing about um, this guy, Old Haas Charles Haas, is it, his photo is it taken in 1886. Is the fir- it's a photo of like the entire team basically. I don't know what team this is, but. In the photo, if you look closely, though, at the team photo, he's very, very conspicuously flipping off the camera. The way he's doing it is 
he's got his hand on like he's standing behind somebody uh-huh. he's got his hand on somebody else's shoulder and he's like like very lightly <laughs> flipping off the camera it's so subtle you'll miss yeah, it yeah i see it Dude, that's amazing the best part about charles radborn though is he's not only the first person to flip off a camera he's the second person to flip <laughs> off a camera or a fo- flip off a camera in a photo because in his actual like so they took like a team shot and then later in the season they took like a, like a like a basically like a baseball card shot yeah of him and in the baseball card shot he's got his hands on his hips you know standing like you know like triumphantly that kind of thing yeah and his left hand is flipping off <laughs> the camera <laughs> he's he's that guy Maybe his hand was just stuck in that position. He couldn't control the finger. Broke his finger. It is the same. It is the same hand. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I got the name of the team he was playing for. What team was it? What team? It was called the Boston Bean Eaters. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's a team. Yes. Yes. Way back when. Dude, old timey bean eaters. Yeah, the bean eaters. The bean bean eaters. (laughs) Old timey names are the best. They're just the best. Those have got to be the new, like, hipster names. we got to bring yeah. those names back. <laughs> we'll bring it back. That'll well, be a mission. we are at the end of our show. So, Ken, do you have shout-out, promotion? Keep, promote? uh, keep downloading the show, please. Uh, we've had a nice spike in yeah, we did. downloads this week. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we could continue that. If you could rate some of our stuff, great. Or just well, yeah, pay. definitely we'd appreciate some iTunes ratings. So yep. yeah. get on iTunes. Or Google Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google Play yeah. rate us. Any just comment <laughs> you want to tell us, anything you want to... Re- tell me how terrible I yeah, am. T- yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> love that. <laughs> we love being told how terrible or we are. Or tweet it at us. We have yeah. a Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at Ryan and Noosh are dead. <laughs> <laughs> or it's Ryan and Noosh, actually. Yeah, our Twitter's Ryan and Noosh. Ryan, Ryan and Noosh. Yeah. The, the Gmail, you can email us to I mean, ryanandnooshardead at gmail.com. One of the things that we should start doing on our Tumblr, our new Tumblr, and our Twitter, is we should make it open for people to reach out to us and ask questions it's that we can right. answer. Well, we should tell them, ask me anything. <laughs> Ryan and Noosh. All right, we'll send some more tweets out. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney, do you have anything you want to promote or Nothing. shout out? Nope. or Okay. JB, promotion? No. Okay. <laughs> Brendan. <laughs> Does not. <laughs> Do you okay. speak for him legally? I mean, I guess I have to now. Oh, okay. he, I, I, I'm Are his you next a friend. friend of I'm the... his next friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Becky, uh, go ahead and promote anything you'd like. Yeah. So check out my show. Kelly's uh, co-host on that show, Midlife Dating Crisis. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio. I don't know. Tune in. Um, and then just so I can get feed, <laughs> feed on my personal business page, you can check me out at Rebecca Lassiter photography.com. Cool. Um, and, and for the show, how would be they be able to find you? Like your, your Facebook is like facebook.com slash midlife dating crisis. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Facebook.com slash uh, midlife dating crisis. Okay. So yeah, go there to check out episodes and contact the hosts and everything. And yeah, check out their show. Uh, yeah, as for me, I got I got nothing. I, I mean, I, I really, I got you know, you know what I, will I mention? got nothing. You know, what I will mention. I, I will throw this. You know, because I'm always promoting the whole like, hey, anybody who's listening, if you got a job for news, you should hire news. I actually like got some tips from like one of my mentors this week. So like now I've got like some direction. Okay, in, that's like, good. You mm-hmm. know, networking and trying to like you know keep looking for a job. So like I'm hoping that so works out for me. So everyone keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, keep your fingers crossed for me. <laughs> And, uh, this is her job. 
that, this radio dude, show. Dude, the amount yeah. of work I do to promote this show, edit, and all, it, it, it is work, dude. Dude, I booked so many people in the coming weeks that it, it took so much effort to, like, book people, you know? it's <laughs> This show is my job, man. It is. Now we just need to get paid for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we need to get paid. Right. We need to get paid for this job. It'll be great. Uh, yeah, well, so, guys, <laughs> listeners, thanks for tuning in and listening to our show. Thank you to our guest, Becky Lasseter, for being on today. And um, Yeah, I hope, I mean, you're welcome back anytime. I hope, uh, well, I was going to say, I hope I can be on your show, but I honestly realize I would have very little to contribute because <laughs> my dating life is garbage. <laughs> so uh, You Ken, need to go on a few dates. Yeah, Ken yeah. has plenty. Ken has a nightmare that he's going to write a book about. Yes, if you wanted one of us as your guest, yeah. Ken would probably be your best yeah. guest. It's a, dis- it's a disaster. <laughs> it's like a disaster. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thanks for being on. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week, guys. The song that we will be ending on for today's episode is Overworld by Kubi. Thanks, guys, for being on. And we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Sure Dead is made possible thanks to KDHR, the student-operated radio station of California State University, Dominguez Hills. For more information about KDHR, please visit www.kdhr.net. The intro song for this show is Space Ace by Blind. The intermission songs are Brambles in the Breeze by Protricity, Lost in Time by Your Daily Water, an expert novice, and Radical Dreamers Angelic Mix by Tim Shihai. This music is made available thanks to Overclocked Remix. For more information, please visit ocremix.org.